This episode of Talk Fitness is in partnership with The Vitamin Shop, where knowledgeable health enthusiasts are standing by to help you thrive every day. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Fitness today. I recently had the wonderful Michael Matthews on the program. We talked about thinner, leaner, stronger, the simple science of building the ultimate female body. And today, guys, it's your turn. Bigger, leaner, stronger, the simple science of building the ultimate male body. Michael Matthews is back. Hey, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me uh, back on the show. Oh, it's great to have you back. So just like in the other book, you start with some wonderful before and after pictures. Those are so motivating. You you have your own before and after picture, which is great. And if people missed our interview that we did on uh, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, The Simple Science of Building the Ultimate Female Body, you did share about your experience and, and how you got into the field. If you could just tell us briefly now, again, for people who missed it. Yeah, sure. So I got into weightlifting as a teenager. I was 17, turning 18, and I grew up playing sports, played a lot of hockey, and then wanted to keep doing something with my body um, and, and got into weightlifting. In the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, like most people, I picked up some bodybuilding magazines and looked around the internet and found a couple workout routines and just started going with it. And, you know, in the beginning, your body's hyper-responsive uh, to resistance training, so you're going to see results with just about anything that you do. However, that last for let's say six months or so, uh, that's on the high end. For some people, it's this honeymoon phase, the newbie gains phase, right? As, as, let's yeah. just say it's four to six months for most people. And then things start to slow down. And then if you want to keep progressing, you're going to have to really learn what you're doing. What got you there is not necessarily going to get you where you want to be. And so I learned that eventually. Um, I, I kind of, I would say, more or less spun my wheels for many years uh, doing more traditional bodybuilding style workouts that weren't guided by any real uh, basic understanding of the physiology of muscle growth and of strength gain and fat loss. And again, I was more just following various tips and, and programs and things that I would find in magazines and on the internet. But fortunately, I knew that I didn't really know anything about this. It was something I just enjoyed doing. I would do it with my friends and we weren't taking it that seriously. Um, but about, let's see, it's probably about Five years ago now, um, this is about seven years into my personal fitness journey, I guess, is when I really decided to start educating myself because I wanted to just see what could I do with my body? What's the, um, how, how, how lean could I get? How, how much muscle could I gain? If I was going to keep on working out, I might as well try to get the most out of it. And uh, so I really started to educate myself and went primarily to the scientific literature. That's where I started because I was looking to first understand the first principles, just looking to understand the, the laws. And if we're talking about um, the dietary side of things, I want to understand how does the human metabolism actually work? Um, and, and if we're talking about the training side of things, what, how does the physiology of muscle growth work? How does the body's muscle building machinery work? And from there, then, I figured I could better uh, vet what I was doing. I could better vet potential diets and potential training programs and maybe even just come up with my own kind of approach based on my understanding. So um, that's that was, again, that was about five years ago and it went well. And, uh, you know, fortunately, there's just a lot of good information out there. It's not like I, I mean, I, I don't say that I have, there's, there's nothing breakthrough uh, about me or my work. I've just done a good job. Um, I would say finding finding good information and understanding it and figuring out how to explain it to other people in a way that they can understand it and apply it and get results with it. And so when I went through that process of educating myself and then, you know, I changed how I was eating, I changed how I was training. And over the course of the next few years, 
I was able to dramatically improve my physique. So I was able to uh, get get lean and stay lean and, and add quite a bit of muscle to my frame. And I would say achieve the, the type of body that, that most guys want. So um, not, not, not a bodybuilder body per se, but I'd say more like maybe an athletic kind of fitness model-ish kind of body. And then from there, it was a, you know, I was like, well, I want to I want to educate other people. I want to share what I've learned with other people because I remember how annoying <laughs> it it was to not to just be lost in all of the noise and and to not know yes. you know uh, up from down and to be constantly chasing one method after another or working with one trainer after another another and not really seeing clear results or clear progress. And so in 2012, I published uh, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, and uh, it was like a first edition. It was kind of a minimum viable product type of approach i think it was maybe maybe 50 60,000 words or so no more than 70,000 words i don't remember exactly but i just wanted to put something out there and it wasn't about marketing or trying to sell the sizzle it was really just straight to the point here's the book i wish somebody would have given me when i first started working out it would have saved me a lot of time would have saved me a lot of trouble and i would have gotten to where i am now a lot faster and um yeah so that was 2012 and now i've i've uh, gone through that book has gone through several revisions based on further research and just good feedback from readers and bringing up good points and asking good questions and um, it has now sold close to three hundred thousand copies and continues to sell well and um, yeah so that that was that's how bigger and stronger came about. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, in chapter five, the seven biggest muscle building myths and mistakes you write, nine out of 10 people you see in the gym don't train correctly. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but it's true. And soon you'll see why. All right, what's going on in the gym? <laughs> what's everybody doing that they're, they shouldn't be doing? And what are some of the myths that, uh, that they think are true and uh, are keeping them from attaining the body that they really want? Yeah, so... And this is this is this is more particular to guys. What you'll see a lot of guys in the gym doing sure. is you see them do they're they're usually doing very long workouts that are focused usually kind of just on one muscle group, and they're they're doing a lot of reps, usually very high reps, not very much weight, kind of focusing on getting a big pump, and uh, really trying to kind of blast or just annihilate this this muscle group. And then, and then let it, let it recover for, you know, five to seven days. Because if you are, if you, if you train a muscle, when, when you're training a muscle group, when you're, when you're, you know, doing resistance training, you are causing damage like micro tears in not necessarily the muscle mm-hmm. fibers. It looks like it's actually more of kind of the connective tissue around the muscle fibers, but there's damage that needs to be recovered, needs to be repaired. And until it is, things are going to be too sore and too painful to really train again. And um, what you want to be doing, and this is, again, this is one of the things that I really, really learned in my, not just, just research, but then in my subsequent experience, and now my experience working with thousands of guys, is you really want to be focusing, one, on increasing whole body strength. That really needs to be your overriding goal. If you're a guy and you want to, be gain, you want to gain muscle as quickly as possible, then you want to gain strength as quickly as possible. Now, that's not necessarily where this can kind of throw people off is in the beginning, as I mentioned, your body's hyper responsive to weightlifting. You're going to get results no matter what you do in the beginning. You don't necessarily have to get strong in the beginning to gain some muscle. However, things change after that newbie gain phase. Once you are moving out of your beginner phase and your intermediate kind of phase, so once you've got your first year of weightlifting under your belt, then strength and size become much more correlated, meaning that you are going to have to improve your strength if you want to continue getting bigger. 
Okay, so if that's true, mm-hmm. okay. then how do you best get stronger? Well, there's a lot of research. I mean, there's just even recently a, a meta-analysis by Schoenfeld, um, and uh, there was who else? It was, it was Brad Schoenfeld and one or two other people that worked on this paper. And it's very clear, there's no question at this point, that lifting heavier weights for fewer reps is better for getting stronger. Furthermore, okay. compound exercises, which are exercises that involve multiple joints and multiple muscle groups are better for increasing whole body strength. So for example, doing heavy squats, so doing, let's say squats with about 80 to 85% of your one rep max for somewhere around, let's say four to six reps, that is better for gaining strength than doing, let's say leg extensions on the leg extension machine for who knows how many sets of 12, 15, 20 reps followed by leg, maybe hamstring curls. Uh, another another machine exercise that those are isolation exercises because they're they're really just using one joint and they're focusing on one major muscle group. In the case of like extensions, the quads. In the case of the hamstring curls, the hamstring. So that was one of the big changes. For example, in my own workouts, I used to do workouts very much in that way. I'd have like a chest day that would just be not too much bench pressing, more. Uh, you know, push-ups and, and, and dumbbell flies and pec deck, really trying to isolate the pecs and, and, and then also doing a lot of sets and a lot of reps. Whereas now, yes, I still have, you could say, a chest day. It's more like a press day where I'm doing, I'm working on my chest and I'm my pecs. I'm working on my triceps and working on my shoulders. But the workouts now are quite different. I'm doing stuff like barbell bench press, dumbbell bench press, close grip bench press. And for shoulders, it's usually stuff like the overhead press or the dumbbell press. And then also usually some isolation exercises or in the case of the shoulders, like side raises and rear raises. So it's not that isolation exercises are bad, but you really need to be focusing most of your efforts on getting stronger and on performing compound lifts. Um, so that's just that, that's an example of, of something that if, if guys were to just do that, uh, they would... If they were to, you know, stop doing what we see, uh, a lot of uh, what's going on in the gym, just start doing that. It would that alone would 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 really would be it, the the results that they would get from that would would be very surprising. You know, one of the things too that struck me uh, is myth and mistake number five: lifting like an idiot. Uh, you basically talk about that most guys don't have a clue about po- uh, proper form on many exercises, and this ignorance stunts their gains, causes unnecessary wear and tear on ligaments, tendons, and joints, and opens the door to debilitating injuries. That's huge because if we're talking about lifting or lifting heavier weights, then there's there's also a bigger risk, right? If you're doing it incorrectly, so how how important yeah. is it to work with somebody else, especially if you're brand new? Maybe to have someone guide you at first, a trainer or someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> Talk to us about this. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that that's a good point. There are um, there there's been a few studies that I've, I actually was just reading recently on the safety of weightlifting. Unfortunately, when it's if it's performed properly, weightlifting and even powerlifting is actually quite safe. Um, but if it's performed correctly, <laughs> if it's performed incorrectly, then uh, it's, 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 yes, it is a dangerous activity. If you are, for example, um, you know, let's just talk about some common form mistakes. So for example, yeah. we will see when, when, when people are squatting, a common mistake that we'll see is um, as, as they are ascending, the knees will start to cave in, right? So we've probably all seen that, where 
as proper form is when you're squatting, your knees should be in line with your toes at all times. You actually, a mm. good cue when you are standing up in the squat is you, until you really have it grooved in, you almost want to get the feeling of pushing your knees out uh, as if you're, as if you're, you know, pushing them away from each other. Uh, what you don't want is them to buckle in toward each other on the deadlift, which is, if anyone not familiar with it, it's an exercise barbell on the floor. Essentially, you are just picking the barbell up. Sounds simple. It's very difficult. Probably the hardest exercise you can do. Um, but mm-hmm. a common mistake that we see on the deadlift is rounding the lower back. Yeah, in, in some kind of elite deadlifters, like competitive weightlifters, you'll see um, a little bit of rounding in the upper area of the back. That's not so much an issue. It's the lower back where you're you know, you look kind of like a scared cat yeah. as they're picking the weight up. Um, that yeah. is, you're just asking for, you're asking for a disc injury. Also, another common thing that we see on the deadlift is uh, really yanking the weight up at the top and, and, and uh, hyperextending the lower back at the top. Very bad idea, asking for a disc injury. On the bench press, uh, this is an exercise that many people think just ruins your shoulders, period. No, that's mm-hmm. not true. If you do it wrong, it can ruin your shoulders. And one of the most common mistakes that people make on the bench press is they flare their elbows up. So they so when they're mm-hmm. pressing, because it, it, gives, it gives you a little bit more leverage and it helps you get the bar up, if you move your elbows away from your torso and up toward your shoulder, up to the point maybe where it's even like a 90-degree angle, that is bad for your shoulders. And it's bad for your rotator cuff muscles in particular, which, again, if you injure a rotator cuff muscle, it just is a very long, annoying recovery. Um, so what you'll see then is a lot of people that, and, you know, we see it more with guys because guys will get competitive and also they just kind of want to look cool and they want to put up as much weight as possible. And, and what that usually means is form breaks down. Now, not only does this increase mm-hmm. the risk of injury, it also decreases the effectiveness of the exercise. So ironically, really all you're getting out of it is an increased risk of injury and, and you're getting less mm-hmm. muscle gain and strength gain. It's, uh, it's much smarter to work with lower weights and proper form. And that also then means that you're going to progress in, um, you're going to, you're going to progress in a way that your body's able to keep up with, because remember, it's not just muscles that are involved. It's also tendons and ligaments and your muscles is, and you'll see this actually with, with, uh, steroid users, right? Where there's one of the reasons why a lot of yeah. steroid users get injuries to particularly to, to joints and the tendons and ligaments is their muscles get super strong, super fast, but all the supporting structure, the infrastructure of the body can't keep up with it. And if they don't know what they're doing in the gym and they just think like, this feels light, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going until eventually, Oh, you know, uh, a muscle tears or, or, you know, they have some other, other type of serious injury. And you see, you see a similar effect when people use improper form to try to add weight, they are demanding more of their, uh, body and, and it's sometimes muscles, but it's more often joints and tendons and ligaments than, than the body can give. So again, proper form is, is crucial. And if that means slower progress, that's totally fine. And that's natural. That's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. You know, another thing you have in the book uh, under these uh, seven biggest myths, uh, excuse me, building myths and mistakes, muscle building myths, is uh, you have to feel the burn to grow. That's one. And then another one is constantly changing up your routine. Talk to us about those. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so feeling the burn, right, is, again, I used to think that was super important. And really what that is, it's lactic acid building up, right? So as your, yeah. as your muscles get more and more stressed, lactic acid um, levels rise, and we experience that as a burning sensation. And there's actually quite a bit of research that's been done on this. I wrote an article on it recently. Um, how important is that? And how important is getting a pump? Those things usually go hand in hand, like feel the burn, get a pump. And a pump, of, of course, is just muscle. You know, your, your muscles are engorged with blood. And the long story short is those are basically non-factors as far as muscle growth goes. The primary drivers of muscle growth have been pretty well taped. We're looking at progressive overload, which basically means adding weight to the ball over time subjecting your, your muscles to more and more load over time, which is, again, that ties back into why I'm saying as a natural weightlifter, our number one goal is to increase whole body strength over time. Yes, there are sub-goals, but other things we can do, especially if we really want to perfect our physiques, so to speak, but we need yeah. to make whole body strength our primary objective. And then you also have metabolic stress, and you have muscle damage. Those are two other factors. But Muscle pump and muscle burn are really non-factors. They, they look cool and they might feel good and people get into that. And that's fine. If you really like that, then you can actually save some of that stuff for the end of your workout. So if you are, let's, you know, whatever muscle you're training, regardless, um, once you've done your heavy strength training, if you want to do some pump stuff just because you like how it feels, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't sit in there for like another 45 minutes doing a million sets. But if you want to end with a couple 20 or 30 rep sets just to end with a big pump, do it. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's the, if that's like the majority of your workout is just 20, 30 rep sets and just trying to get a pump, um, you're not going to get very far. So, so that's that point of why feeling the burn is, is, is really just not that important. And uh, sorry, what was the second point? Oh, the other point was about that you have to change things up all the time. Oh, right. Like muscle, the confusion. Plateau yeah, and the, muscle confusion. Yeah, muscle confusion. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, so that's, that's, of course, been, and I used to think that, you know, I read about that in magazines, and I thought it was very important. You have, you know, again, the basic theory seems to sound right. And then you go, oh, well, you're, you, need to, you need to be, like, constantly stimulating your muscles with new types of movements and, and new types of um well, there's also, I mean, there's, there's the exercise themselves, but it's also how it trains muscles. You have different planes of motion and so forth. And the long story short here is this is actually counterproductive because one, there's, there's really no evidence to support that there's much of a novelty effect, meaning that when you do a new exercise, it, it's not, your, your muscles don't like go into this hyper responsive mode again, like you were new to weightlifting. That's just not how it works. You are hyper-responsive in the beginning, and then once that's gone, that's gone for good. Uh, there is something to be said for training muscles in different ways with different types of movements, yes, for sure. But why muscle confusion and why constantly changing up your routine, and I think is more counterproductive than anything else, is it doesn't allow you to get good at any particular exercise. And in terms of exercises, you know, out of all the exercises you can do for all your major muscle groups, there's really, a, you know, you have a Pareto principle in play. You have 20% of those exercises are going to produce 80% of, those, 80% of the results. And of those 20%, 80% of those exercises are going to be compound exercises. So, for example, the, the best exercises to build a program around are the big compound lifts, the strength training lifts, the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, the overhead press. 
Now, if you can't do any of those exercises for any reason, that's okay. You can work around that. But if you can, if you don't have any injuries or dysfunctions that preclude you from doing them, those are the best place to start. And what happens is um, if, you, if you're constantly changing your routine, you are not given enough time to really learn proper form and learn proper technique and improve your technique. A lot of people don't realize that some of these exercises are, are kind of technical movement. I mean, a squat is not a golf swing. But uh, yeah. it's, it's, it, there are a number of um, elements to a proper squat, and there are a lot of muscles and a lot of joints that have to work in pretty good harmony to produce a good squat. And as with anything, the more you squat, the better you get at squatting. That's one of the ways to get stronger on the squat is to simply squat more frequently. That's why many strength training programs have you squatting two or three days per week um, there's some evidence to show that higher frequency is better for muscle growth, period. But what we know for sure is that higher frequency improves your skill faster. And the more skilled you are at squatting, and we can quantify skill in terms of bar path, in terms of angles of your body and of your joints at different points in the squat, like there is an objective, there are objective measures for good and bad squatting. And the closer you get to the good squat, the better you're going to be able to squat because it's giving what you're doing is you're basically gaining more leverage on the weight and you are also from a from a, a an anatomical perspective you are allowing your body to most efficiently move that weight and allowing your muscles to work together as efficiently as possible to produce as much power as possible so what you want to do then is you want to have staple exercises, which are your most productive exercises, and you want to be doing those frequently. You want to be doing those every week, and in some cases, several times per week, so you can get better at them, and so you can continue to get better and better at them. And, you know, you might, it really kind of depends on, I guess, your, um, how quickly you pick up on things, and, and just some people are, are just naturally very good at duplicating uh physical motions, like being able to just look at things and do them and, and, and they, and they improve very quickly, but you're going to, you're going to see significant uh, improvements in your technique, probably for your first 100 to 300 hours of doing the exercise. It's not just like you're going to squat five times and you're going to have it nailed. It, it, it might yeah. take a bit of time to really get in perfect technique. And so that's why, you know, if you change exercises every week, yeah, you're giving your muscles some different stimuli and there's probably some value to that, but you're never going to get really good at any individual exercise and you're not going to be getting good at the exercises that matter most. And so those are the main reasons why I'm just not really a fan of muscle confusion. I'd say the, the, the benefit of it is it helps keep things, keeps, helps give variety and some people find that that makes the, the workouts more interesting. But, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of people that had that, Initially, they had that consideration, like, if they're going to do the same kind of routine, if they're just going to squat every week and there's not that much variety, is it going to get boring? And I would say, I mean, how I've kind of helped them with that is let's reframe it and really look at what our goal is here. Our goal is we're not going to the, into the gym to just exercise. We're not going to the gym to just burn calories and move our body. That's fine. It's not that that's like, those are worthwhile things, but we're going into the gym to train and training has a specific goal. What's our objective? Our objective is increasing whole body strength. Why is that our objective? Because that's what's going to ultimately get us to the ultimate goal of looking the way you want to look and also feeling great 
and in increasing our longevity and reducing our risk for disease and dysfunction. And so when you look at it that way and you go, okay, I have a very, like, I really want that goal. That, that, that is motivating to me. And if that means that I have to do workouts that on the surface seem kind of boring, um, then I'm going to do that. And then when they get into the groove of doing it, they often find that they really enjoy the workouts because they're able to progress. And of course, that feeling of progression toward goals is what produces satisfaction. So all of a sudden now they don't care that they're squatting again or they're deadlifting again or bench pressing again, because look at the progress they've made in the last year. You know, they've gained a hundred, they've put on a hundred pounds on their big lift and they are continuing to progress. And they know that every time they gain a rep, every time that they're able to put more weight on the bar, they're a little bit closer to the long-term goal. And so, you know, it's just a, a, a changing the perspective. Oh, completely. Well, I, you know, you've got to come back a lot because I think you're fantastic. One of the things that I want to get into uh, when I have you back again is you talk about uh, three different types of meal plans, one for cutting, one for bulking, one for maintaining. There's so much more in the book. We're also going to have you back to talk about your cookbook, The Shredded Chef. In the meantime, tell us all the ways we can find you, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. So my central hub, I guess you'd say, is my website, Muscle for Life, which is musclelife.com. And from there, you can find my books, and I also have a supplement company, and you can find all of my things. And you can also find me on on the social medias, although I'll say that I'm not, I'm not very diligent with them. I don't spend too much time on them because I'm kind of wrapped up in other things, but I am there. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, at either Muscle for Life Fitness or Muscle for Life. And um, yeah, I'd say those are, those are probably the easiest ways to find me and my stuff. Awesome. Well, Michael, I can't wait to have you back. This has been so incredibly enjoyable and informative. If you want to learn more about Talk Healthy Today, Talk Fitness Today, you can go to It's Your Health with LisaDavis.com. Lots of great stuff there. You can check us out on social media, on Twitter at Talk Fitness, the number two day. Everyone have a great day and stay well. This episode of Talk Fitness was produced by The Vitamin Shop, where trusted health enthusiasts help you thrive every day. Visit one of 800 stores across the country or head to vitaminshop.com for all your wellness needs.